Well, at the All Church Retreat, our speaker, Mark Roberts, focused four talks on Ephesians. And so I chose a passage out of Ephesians today as well. Uh, I did not know beforehand he was doing that. I was already working on it uh, before I knew what Mark was speaking on. But today we're speaking about and talking about Ephesians 5, verses 1 through 14, which I think relates well to some of the things that Mark talked about last week. This is God's Word. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children, and live in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. But fornication and impurity of any kind or greed must not even be mentioned among you, as is proper among saints. Entirely out of place is obscene, silly, and vulgar talk, but instead let there be thanksgiving." Be sure of this, that no fornicator or impure person or one who is greedy, that is, an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things the wrath of God comes on those who are disobedient. Therefore, do not be associated with them. For once you were darkness, but now in the Lord you are light. Live as children of light. For the fruit of the light is found in all that is good and right and true. Try to find out what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it is shameful even to mention what such people do secretly, but everything exposed by the light becomes visible. For everything that becomes visible is light. Therefore, it says, sleeper, awake, rise from the dead and Christ will shine on you. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Bless us, O Lord, as we work through this passage today, learning from the book of Ephesians. And may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts, O Lord, be pleasing to you, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Well, the theme and title for this message, and as I said, Jerry will begin a new whole series next week, is Light Shines, meaning light shines in the darkness, as Paul says here in verse 14, that Christ's light will shine on you. And if there is darkness in the world, which we know there is, and we want the light of Christ to shine on us and then through us to others, how do we get to that point? And I think Paul kind of points that out here in the first part of Ephesians 5 and really in the whole book's in the whole book of Ephesians. He says first in verse 1, we are to be imitators of God and walk in the way of love. And similar to some themes you may have heard if you were at uh, the all-church retreat, but, but a challenging stuff to be an imitator of God. More challenging as well, he says in verses 3 through 7, to be pure, to get rid of all impurity, even including physical impurity, he says. And it's interesting to think about as I was uh, looking at this this week, so much, there's so much physical temptation in today's world, in our Western world. But as I studied it, early Christians, you know, even at the time of uh, the, the writing of Ephesians dealt with certainly temptations as well. And as I was researching a little bit, that, that basically immorality was rampant in the ancient Greek world in places even like Corinth that talked about, which is near to Ephesus. And so this is not something new to us in today's world. It has always been around. And yet, still, we must deal with the temptation in our own lives. Now, I thought about this this week as well. If we try harder 
to be pure, to be righteous, will probably fail because it just sounds like it's too hard. It's too hard to be pure. It's too hard to be righteous, not to be perfect, but, but to be those kinds of things. And so I think we need something else to help us. I think we need some spiritual practices, which Paul kind of uh, alludes to here in this passage, to help us be close to God. And I think a, a better way maybe to think about it, instead of I'm going to try to be pure, I'm going to try to be righteous, is to align ourselves with God um, to get in uh, alignment with God. And I think there are two practices which can help us to be imitators of God, as Paul says in verse 1, and to be children of light, as he said in verse 8. And here are the two practices I picked out this week to share with you. First is to pray, simply to pray. And I want to give some instruction or thoughts on that as well. Praying with putting God first putting God first in your prayers. And I would even suggest this week to use the Lord's Prayer this week. If you, some of you may pray the Lord's Prayer all the time or, or every day, um, I would suggest using that as a spiritual practice. As we know, the Lord's Prayer, the first line is, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. If you've wondered what hallowed be thy name, it really means holy is your name. It is praising God because God is holy. Uh, it's offering God our praise in so many ways. And as I've said before, oftentimes I'll use the Psalms, I'll use Christian praise music to help me uh, on a daily basis or weekly basis to think about how I praise God, to offer my praise to God, to offer our thanks to God. Paul says in verse 4 here, don't have obscene, silly, and vulgar talk, but instead let there be thanksgiving. Let there be thanksgiving. Why does he say this? I think because when we are grateful, when we are thankful both to God and then, and then also thinking about what we are thankful for in our own lives, it helps us then not to think so much about the things which are wrong in our lives. It helps us then to put a focus first on God through praise uh, and then on God through thanksgiving. And when we do that, it helps to put God first and then those other things secondary in our lives. It helps us to focus on the light and not the darkness. So the first practice I would say is to pray. Pray with praise and thanksgiving. Then ask for God's help in your life um, to those close to you and for yourself as you need. And to pray daily. Uh, have a time of daily prayer. And I think, again, the Lord's Prayer is something that can help us have a routine, a practice, a spiritual practice. One of the things that Jerry has done in his four-plus years here at ZPC is he's closed almost every single meeting. I don't know if it's every meeting, but almost every single meeting, whether it's a, a staff meeting, which we have on Wednesdays, or a session meeting, which we have once a month on a Tuesday night, almost every single meeting he closes with us holding hands and saying the Lord's Prayer. And it's a great reminder to call back to this is how God asks us to pray. He teaches us through Christ teaching his disciples how to pray. And it's so it's something I use in my own prayer life. And it's that discipline that helps us to praise and to thank God for all that we have, to put Him first. Well, what's a second practice that we can do to uh, put away the darkness and instead to align ourselves, to think about again, how do I align myself with God? Again, if I said, if, if I'm going to try just to be more pure, it's too difficult. But if I, don't want, if I want to um, align myself with God, I can more likely then 
uh, be closer to God, be more aligned with God, and be more pure as an outcome of that. A second practice, I think, is what we put in our minds. And I know, again, these are simple things. Uh, to pray, to pray daily, to pray with consistency, and to think about what you put in your minds. Our minds are very powerful. The human brain is incredible, and God calls us to use our minds, you know, to use our heart, mind, soul, and strength, to use our minds uh, to follow Him. Paul says this about our minds in Philippians 4.8. It's just the next book right after <clears throat> Ephesians, and I think it's a great verse to think about as we think about what we put in our minds. He says, finally, beloved, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is pleasing, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence and if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Again, think about these things that are good and right. We often hear garbage in, garbage out, and I think that's true, and I think also it's true to have godly in, godly out. Again, these, it's, a, it's a pretty simple practice, but if we, if we do these things, we are more likely to be aligned with God. Just thinking about how does this play out in our lives? Well, what we choose on Netflix or Amazon Prime, the news sites that we check, the things we read, the things we watch on television, the radio talk shows maybe that we listen to, we have to ask ourselves, and I have to ask myself, are these things that fit in Paul's list? Are these things that are basically and mostly honorable and pleasing and excellent and true? If they are, then think about such things. And I, I think this can be easier said than done. It's something that I, I would say that I struggle with at times of what I put into my brain. Uh, last year we had a video of some kids. I don't remember what the exact setting was, but it was up here on our screens. And one of our ZPC young boys um, said, and then he kind of had a smile on his face. He said, it's easier to be bad than good. I don't know if you remember that. I was talking about that with some friends. It's easier to be bad than good. How true is that, right? And I was thinking about my own life as a Christian, been a Christian most of my life, been a pastor for over 20 years, I think sometimes it's easier for me to be lazy than good. You know, just to kind of give in, like I'm just gonna be lazy right now. I'm not gonna choose that thing over there that I know is the, the, maybe the right thing or the best thing. I'm just, gonna, I'm just not gonna do it because I'm tired, I'm lazy, and I'm gonna do this thing over here, whatever this is. So I think we need to fight against that. And again, go back to our spiritual practices. How can we pray to God daily? How can we put things in our minds which are good and pleasing and honorable? Well, I drive in my car a fair amount, and I usually have the radio on. And I will tell you sometimes, uh, one of the things, this is just a, a simple thing that, that I deal with. I listen to a lot of radio, and I'll tell you, uh, a lot of days, I'm listening to classic rock or like 80s and 90s stuff. I don't know about you, but that, that's kind of what I'm listening to. Because it reminds me of being younger and I enjoy it. And then sometimes I actually listen to the lyrics. I'm like, some of that classic rock from like the 80s, not so good when you actually listen to the lyrics. So most of the time at that point, I will change the station or turn it off. Um, and I'll say, God, just, I would just want to refocus on you. And even sometimes hearing those lyrics is a reminder to me, just a simple little reminder that I want to put good things, godly things into my, in my mind. And so letting even something little like that, like the lyrics of a song, to remind you where you are. And so 
for our teenagers today. They, they don't have any songs with bad lyrics, do they? I don't see any of you guys. Uh, okay, I know what my kids listen to. Sometimes they do. So, okay. But we need to align ourselves with God, with the things we think about, with the things we put in our minds. And when we are more aligned with God through daily prayer, through our thoughts, the things we put in our minds, we begin to look more like God. As Paul says, it becomes easier to imitate God. It becomes easier to to be children of light so that we can act more like Jesus. We can begin to be shaped more like Jesus. My two youngest sons, my two youngest sons have started school again. They are sophomores in high school and and uh, they're going to be playing some sports this year, and a lot of their friends are in, are in band or choir or various fall sports. And one of the things I realize as I watch them or their friends is how busy they are and how much practice it takes, how much discipline I believe it takes to be a high school student who's involved in extracurricular activities. It takes an incredible amount of practice and discipline to do it and to do it well. And it's a reminder of me that the Christian life also takes practice and discipline. And, and I think sometimes this is something we don't, we may not talk about a lot because it's not exciting. Uh, it's not inspirational. But walking with Christ, some days it just takes practice and discipline, daily walking with God, praying with God, putting things in our minds, which help us then to draw closer to Him, to be aligned with Him. So when you see someone practicing their craft, uh, having discipline to get better at what they do, think about relating that in your own life to Christ. How can I practice my walk with Christ so that then His light shines on me, that then I might shine that light on others? Well, as I said, that's a little bit, it's not, that's not that exciting to talk about. I think it's a little more informational. Uh, hopefully, then it becomes transformational as it, changes, as it changes us. But I wanted to also give you a couple ideas that are inspirational, not just information today. So, so as this passage ends, Paul says, so that the wake up, O sleeper, that the light of Christ will shine on you. And I think the outcome of that then, as Paul talks about in lots of other places, and certainly Jesus talks about in the Gospels, is that we should let the light of Christ shine on us and through us to others in small ways and in big ways. And so what are some things that can inspire us? And I think some places of darkness where we need to let light shine, certainly there are a lot of them. Two of them that I thought about today. First is prison, is prison where Kairos ministry uh, takes place. And most of you know, but some of you may not, Kairos is a national ministry that reaches out to inmates in prisons uh, many of our ZPCers, especially many of our men, have participated in Kairos Weekend Retreats, leading those retreats, similar in some ways to Great Banquet, where inmates over a long weekend period hear about the grace and the love of Jesus Christ. And my friend Terry, who's here today, is the chair of the national board of Kairos Prison Ministry. So that's pretty cool. He's here as part of our church. And I was talking to Terry recently and asked, could I tell, tell about this? When, he shared with me some things about uh, Kairos prison ministry, which I thought were interesting. He said, first of all, when you go into prison, you can't take anything in and you can't take anything out. And he says, if you're trying to sneak something out, it's a felony. So don't do that. He says, so, but what you can take is you can take God's love. He said, you think about it because you can't take anything in, because you can't bring anything out, you can take God's love. That's what you take. He says, you don't need to have a political agenda 
about incarceration. You don't need to try to fix the inmates or fix their problems because you can't. But what you can do is listen. You can listen to their issues and to their problems and to their lives. Terry says in 15 years, he's almost never had someone ask him about life on the outside or especially about his life. They typically want to talk about what's going on in their lives. And so again, he says, as when you go in, you need to ask them about them. You need to care for them, show them the light of Christ and the love of Christ, especially again by listening to them. He said it's hard for them to trust anyone because of the, the people that are around them in prison. He says, but they can trust Jesus. When you take the love of Christ, when you listen to them, when you love them and you show, you demonstrate, when our teams that go in show and demonstrate God's love, they can begin to trust. They can trust Jesus and maybe trust some of the other men around them. He said their theme is listen, listen, love, love. You listen, you listen some more, you love them and you love some more. And when you do that, you demonstrate the grace and love of Jesus Christ. I think it's a great reminder of a way, a big way, I think, to show and demonstrate the light of Christ. And I know these guys practice and they have discipline as well. They have many team meetings. They have a lot of training that goes into it. And their walks need to be right with Christ to go in and to show the love and grace of Jesus in prison. A second place of darkness that I think are places of despair and poverty, places of despair and poverty that need the light of Christ. And I've talked to a few people here in our church, even in the last week or two, who recently have returned from trips to, to Haiti or Uganda. Hopefully you'll be hearing about those soon in worship. But a place where I've mentioned before, and I hope you're not tired of me talking about it, is to go down to the Texas-Mexico border with faith ministry in Reynosa, Mexico, a city just across, a large city just across the border from McAllen, Texas. And I've gone there uh, for the last five years with families from ZPC, including uh, my family. And we're going again next spring break with families. So if you want to go, talk to me. I'll, I'll, I'll see about taking you along. But you can't just tell people. I'm told that when we go there, and again, we do training with the people there as well. We meet with them on the first day, and they send us information ahead of time that you can't just go there and tell people Jesus loves you. Because sometimes, and in fact, oftentimes, that people are dealing with desperate poverty, um, almost like survival-level poverty. So you have to show them that you love them. And so one of the examples, the ways that we have done this uh, most years is to do kind of a driving tour of the neighborhood, or they call it the colonia that's right around the church complex. Uh, some of the roads are paved. Many of them are dirt roads. So we go out in vans and we, we do a little driving tour and we say, we'd like to visit um, some of the families maybe that have been touched by faith ministry or some of the families that are in most desperate need. And they said, well, well, then when you need to go, then you need to take some groceries. So we pitch in like $20 per family and it buys enough groceries for them and they tell us what to buy or they help us buy them. Uh, some really basic needs, some beans and rice and flour and different things that the families could use over the next week or two. And we take some groceries and we basically go there to smile and exchange names, uh, exchange prayers and deliver some groceries and then kind of go on our way. And so we had five families. We were going to visit five different houses and at each place, one family was going to get out of the van. And so we went to the house where my family was going to get out of the van and we get out and the families know that we're coming. And so um, out steps of this little cinder block house on this dirt road, um, a grandma 
with two boys. And we could tell it was a grandmother. It was, she was too old to be the mother. And so we got to meet them and, again, kind of smile and exchange names. We didn't speak much Spanish, but we had a translator. And we prayed for them and delivered the groceries. And we, we got back in the van. And we asked the people from Faith Ministry, why is it, it that wasn't the mom and there's no dad around? You know, what's their story? And they said, I think, if, it, if I remember correctly, that the, one of the parents had died and the other one had left. And so the grandmother was left to raise these two boys. At that time, I think around ages 9 and 11, and she was doing the best that she could. And our hearts really sank about that. We talked about, you know, could someone through the ministry there do child sponsorship for one of these boys to help the family out? We were already sponsoring um, a little girl, and we felt like, well, that's maybe something that we couldn't do. The other families were with us, were sponsoring children. So we kind of let it drop. Many months later, go fast forward many months, and Claire and I literally were sitting in our kitchen, and, and one of us, I forget who, because we were both thinking the same thing. We're thinking, you know, we met those little boys, Brandon and Brian. We got their names. I've been thinking about them. Like, well, I have to. Someone needs to sponsor them. and needs to sponsor one of those boys. They need some hope, some light. We should sponsor them. So we're going to do that. So we, we talked to our kids, and they had some babysitting money or different jobs they had. We pulled together a little bit of money. And we started sponsoring um, to Brandon. And so for the last three years, when we go, we get to see them. And so instead of maybe sponsoring a child somewhere around the world that's too far to travel to, we get to see these boys and, and we get to sponsor Brandon. And the money that goes to it helps him buy a school uniform. All the kids have school uniforms, supplies for school. And the families, when they have money left over, they can use to buy food and supplies at home. And, and then so also when we go, we take... Um, some clothes, and we took soccer balls the last time we were there, which was very fun. And we get to spend some time with Brandon and Brian and their grandmother. Here's a picture of Brandon and Brian. And see, uh, we made sure that, uh, that Brian got the correct sweatshirt. He's on the right, you know, <laughs> that the IU sweatshirt. We made sure that he had the correct one, right? Okay. Purdue fans, no? Okay. Uh, but our daughter, Alexia, got to go down there this past summer and spend three weeks as an intern. And so here's our daughter, Alexia, with Brandon and Brian and their grandmother and their uncle, who we found lives not too far away and comes and helps. He doesn't live with them, but comes and helps the boys. And so uh, when Graham saw this picture, uh, he said, hey, Brian's wearing my black Nike shirt. We said, well, you know what? It was too small for you, and he needs it worse than you do. So tough. But... Um, we found that light shines in darkness, and it has, been, it, it has given back to us, I would say, more than has been given to them, to be able to just share some of the light of Christ, to be able to share some physical needs uh, with this family in need. Faith ministry tells us when we come, when we bring a group, um, that we are literally, our groups are an answer to prayer. They have a lot of families in their community because they're well known now after being there for 25 years that people come to them and ask for help. And they say, you need to pray to God that God will provide someone to help you. And then when groups come like us and we have meetings like this and you get a child sponsorship or someone gets on the list to eventually have a house built, you are literally an answer to their prayers. And we get to have the opportunity to let the light of Christ shine. Some of you today may be thinking, I have my own darkness in my life. How can I be a light right now when I feel the darkness in my own life. And I was reminded by Jim Dennison, who's a Christian writer, about that we can still sense God in our own darkness. He says this, Our God is so sovereign 
that he can be present in our darkest hours. Our God is so sovereign that he can be present in our darkest hours. And he reminds us with some scripture, Jesus promised, I am with you always to the end of the age. David said, in your presence, there is fullness of joy in God's presence. In Psalm 148, the Lord is near to all who call on him. And Jesus says in Revelations 3, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with him and he with me. And so if you're in a place right now, you're like, man, I can't shine the light of Christ. I've got my own darkness going on. I would say turn to God in prayer because he promises us through so many ways that he will be with you, always with you, and that he will be there to shine the light through someone else or through his own love into your darkness where he can help you. So whether the darkness is in prison or in poverty, whether it's next door, whether it's someone maybe in your own family, whether it's a neighbor, whether it's someone you meet in a store, maybe it's a coworker, wherever it is, we don't have to to go to, to prison ministry. We don't have to go to Mexico or someone else to shine the light of Christ. Each of us in our lives will have opportunities to do that. And so this week, I would encourage you to do a couple of things. Pray the Lord's Prayer daily. Use that as a practice to help align yourself with God and think about godly things. And then just ask these two questions. Who has been the light of Christ shining for you? Who has been the light of Christ shining for you? Probably each of us has an example of our mind, someone who's inspired us, encouraged us, who has been light to us. How can I do that for someone else? So that really is the second question. Who then can I be the light of Christ for? Who then can I shine the light of Christ for? Someone in your realm, someone in your area that you can be the light of Christ and think about and pray about that this week. Let's then close in prayer. Let us pray. Almighty God, we give you thanks for this day, the chance to be together here in worship, to sing songs, uh, God, to, to praise you, to thank you, to pray together, to fellowship over coffee and donuts. All these things are important. To hear your word again, God, out of the book of Ephesians. Help us again to be encouraged this week to practice things which will help us to align with you. Lord, to pray and to think about godly things which help us to bring our minds and our hearts closer to you. And then help us to be the light of Christ. To remember who is the light shining for us? Who has that been? And then where can we shine the light of Christ in our lives? Help us, O Lord, in Christ's name. Amen.